Well, today we are back in our sermon series titled, Walking in Faithfulness. We are studying Paul's letter to the Colossian church. Today's sermon is titled, Religionless Christianity. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp or random order or acting naturally. And yet in our passage, Paul shows us that Christianity is not a religion in the typical sense. In fact, nowhere in the whole Old Testament is the word religion even used. And the few times it is used in the New Testament, like in our passage, it is used negatively as something not to do. And yet, as we will see in Colossae, as we see in our churches today, there exists a strong desire in our hearts to turn what is supposed to be a restful relationship into a rigor of rules to follow. Before we read, let me, let me ask you, if you're someone who doesn't consider yourself a Christian, is part of the reason because you think Christianity and Christians are too judgmental? Well, if that's the case, there is relief for you today. And if you are a Christian, but you feel like you can never really measure up, well, there is relief for you today. But if you are a Christian and you cannot understand why other Christians aren't as dutiful as you, well, then the heat is going to get turned up today. But also be encouraged. There is relief for you as well. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to festivals or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence. Of the flesh. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, we confess that we find it hard to rest in the grace that saves us. We pridefully think that we have something to add to the finished work of Christ. May this spectacular text we have just read show us that being a Christian isn't about religious rules and following them, but simply delighting in Christ and resting in him. Holy Spirit, strip away our fleshly tendency to not see our own sin. Open our eyes to your most excellent mercy and grace to us in Christ Jesus, in whom we find our rest. Amen. 
I become a Christian and all my sins are forgiven and my burdens have been lifted. So began a comedy skit by the husband and wife comedy team called Peculiar People. Ruth was playing the part of a new Christian whose sins were forgiven and all her burdens were lifted. But then along comes Charlie who plays the typical longtime Christian. And he says to Ruth, oh, You became a Christian? That's great. You know what you need to start doing? You need to read your Bible every day. And then he hands her a big, heavy Bible. And she says, I've become a Christian, and all my sins are forgiven, and my burdens have been lifted. Then Charlie returns again and says, well, if you are a Christian, then you need to learn how to pray with eloquence. And he hands her a book and he says, uh, this is a book on how to pray with eloquence. And Ruth, Ruth now has two books weighing her down. And with somewhat of a strained voice, she says, I've become a Christian and all my sins are forgiven and, and my burdens have been lifted. And then Charlie comes back with another stack of books. It is a Three volumes, systematic theology. Oh. And he says, hi, Ruth, I was thinking you will need this. It's a three-volume systematic for you to study. You know, every good Christian needs to have the right theology. Now, Ruth is struggling under even more books containing things she needs to do. And she says, oh, I've become a Christian, and all my sins are forgiven, and My burdens have been lifted. And Charlie appears again. He's saying, you know, every good Christian needs to know the great hymns of old. Here's a hymnal of all the hymns you need to start singing. And now Ruth cannot even stand straight. And yet she states again, but in a questioning tone, I've become a Christian. Uh, All my sins are forgiven. And my... My burdens have been lifted. This comedy skit highlights what Paul is addressing in our passage, our tendency to add things, even good things like Bible reading and prayer, and turning them into religious rules that must be done. We have a name for this. It's called legalism. Legal in that it it attaches to laws, God's law, but also human laws and rules and regulations that by legally following the rules, we can somehow earn a status of good Christian. It flows from a combination of pride and thinking we can earn God's merit by the good things we do, along with the erroneous belief that, yes, Jesus saves me by grace alone, but but my relationship with God from there on out, well, it's up to me. You know, every Christian knows that legalism is bad, And we are so good at seeing it displayed in others' lives. But most Christians fail to see how prevalent it is in our own lives. In our passage, Paul emphatically rejects legalism. He shows us that Christianity is not a religion of rules, but a relationship at rest. And when we rest in Christ's love for us, we in turn love Christ and hold on to him alone for our worth and status. And guess what? The good works flow out of us naturally as a byproduct of our resting in Christ as the Holy Spirit powerfully produces fruit in our lives. And so, if there is such a thing as a good Christian, 
then it isn't the result of our strivings, but of our resting in the finished work of Christ that is ours by faith. And so let us look at legalism in our text. And let us see that the genuine Christian, that genuine Christianity isn't a religion of rule-keeping. It is a relationship with Christ that rests in God's grace. We're going to see in our text that there are three aspects of legalism for us to see. First, what we'll understand is this. Legalism confuses the shadow with the substance. It confuses the shadow with the substance. Our passage begins with a warning. In verses 16 and 17, Paul writes, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Therefore, let no one pass judgment. Legalism breeds judgmentalism. Legalism either makes you a judge of others or one who feels judged by others, and likely both, right? Paul lists particular religious rules by which members of the church body in Colossae were being judged by. Verse 16 again, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in the question of food and drink or festivals or a new moon or a Sabbath. It appears there were Jews who converted to Christianity, and they were telling the pagans in Colossae who had converted to Christianity that they need to be Jewish Christians. And under the Old Covenant, God had specific regulations as to what kinds of food his people were able to drink. There were religious festivals, like the Festival of Booths, which was a week-long gathering in which people lived in tents in order to commemorate the exodus. There were also monthly sacrifices in the temple that would coincide with each new moon, and also sacred days and weeks of Sabbath rest. These false teachers were passing judgment upon members of the body based upon how they embraced these rules and regulations. But the church, the living body of Christ, is to be like, well, a Planet Fitness health club. Have you seen the TV commercials? The ad begins in some other health club with a couple ripped muscle men killing it on the barbells. And some scrawny guy feeling all out of place. You see him in the background as he sheepishly observes. But then you cut to a different gym, the purple one, right? Planet Fitness, whose motto is judgment-free zone. In other words, Come as you are, fit or fat, and you're free from judgment, or so they say. Paul says, let no one pass judgment on you in regards to to needing to implement Old Testament rules and regulations to your faith in Christ. And did you see Paul's basis for us rejecting the rules? Uh, uh, Verse 17, we read, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Paul, is, he, Paul tells us that, that reaching for rules is as foolish as reaching for a shadow instead of the real substance. Let me ask you, if Jesus were standing nearby and, and you could see his shadow on the ground, 
Would you rush to the shadow or the substance? Paul, who was an Old Testament observant Jew who did everything right, he followed all the food and drink laws and attended all the festivals and temple sacrifices. Paul says those good things that God gave us to do weren't the substance. They only pointed us to the substance, Jesus Christ. Paul describes legalism in the church as a fixation on the shadows instead of the substance. Does this help you? You know, today there's a, a lot of pressure upon Christians to go out. There isn't a lot of pressure, rather, for Christians to go out and live in a tent for a week in order to commemorate the exodus. But the pressure is still upon us to do what? To add to the finished work of Christ. Have a daily quiet time or else feel judged. Serve in some way in the church so that others will recognize you as a dutiful Christian. You see what legalism does? Legalism turns you into a box checker. Attended worship service this week? Check. Didn't arrive late? Check. Kids looked good and were well behaved? Check. Had a morning devotional? Check. Served on a team? Check. The problem is, box checking leaves you in the shadows. Doing good things, but for the wrong reasons. It leaves you grasping at the shadows, and in doing so, missing the substance Christ himself. All the laws in the Old Testament exist to, to, to show us how good God is and how far we fall short so that we see our need of a Savior. They are a shadow, but Jesus is the substance. All the doing, listen, all the doing you ever needed to do has been done for you by Christ. He has fulfilled for you everything. When Jesus on the cross cried out with his final words, you remember what they are, right? It is finished. And he didn't just mean that he had finished the work of dying for our sins. He finished off as well all the old shadows, once and for all, for us. Jesus actively fulfilled all the law, the law you and I could never and never will fulfill. And because Jesus has done it all, faith in Christ means we rest in him and him alone, gloriously complete. There is nothing more, Christian, that you must do but rest in Christ. Which is why legalism is so offensive. Legalism says Christ is not enough. I can and I must accomplish. But in the end, it leaves you far from Christ as you try to shine your light into the shadows. So, legalism confuses shadows for the substance. It also advocates rules instead of relationship. We see this in verses 18 and 19. Paul begins with his other warning in this passage. He writes, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason, by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. It appears that Paul um, may have one particular false teacher in mind, but that need not be the case. I think we're all familiar with the type of person Paul is warning against. 
a vocal, good-looking, dynamic, overachiever who has great spiritual stories to tell of visions and angels. And, and, and he seems to be legit. I mean, he practices asceticism, which likely means a special fasting regimen. He's an abstainer from all that he warns is wrong. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, he says. And he doesn't. Or at least he doesn't let other people see him doing it. And so gullible people look up to him. He's a social influencer. He's got street cred. But in the reality, he's a poser with a puffed up head. Look how Paul describes the legalistic leader. Look at the words he uses. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Going on and on in detail about visions. Puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. This is a prideful man who who thinks his you-know-what doesn't stink. He doesn't suggest spiritual disciplines, does he? No, he insists you do them, or else you are seriously lacking. Legalism leads to demanding pride for those who do it well. But Paul cuts the leg out from underneath such a person. How so? Look at, uh, at verse 18. He says, such a man is puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. In other words, he's full of hot air. And where does this all come from? Is it holiness from the Spirit of God? Now, Paul tells us that legalism flows not from the Holy Spirit, but from a sensuous mind. The Greek word translated here, sensuous, is the Greek word sarx. It's an important word for you to understand. For the better you understand it, the better you understand yourself. The word sarx is usually translated flesh or sinful nature. Paul uses it a lot. In fact, he uses it in the very last sentence of our passage. What is the flesh? The term flesh points to the attitude and outlook characteristic of the old fallen nature we were all born with before the gracious, regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul is saying that these false teachers are puffed up by their sensuous fleshly minds. In other words, it's not love for Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that has worked in them as they rest in Christ. It's the old puffed up sinful nature. And so check this out. Many Christians think they are okay because they don't drink or smoke or chew or go out with girls who do. But they do not realize how the same flesh that promotes sensuality, anger, lust, all those kind of things, also promotes self-righteousness. It's true, right? A little bell goes off on our head when we give in to the flesh in the ob- obvious ways, like sexual lust or greed. We see it pretty easy in ourselves. and We say we'll never do it again. But we have a hard time seeing that we also indulge in the same flesh when we follow self-righteous rules and regulations and then disqualify others for not being box checkers like us. Let me ask you, do you see this in your own life? Oh, I know. We, We see it quickly in others. But we're slow to recognize our own puffy heads. We don't call it legalism. We call them, well, they're opinions. Opinions like a a church without a choir just isn't a good church. Or it looks like I'm the first one here. 
again, as usual. Or my old church would never have done that. Or one that I heard on my third or fourth Sunday ever in a church as a new believer. Hey, young man, you're not supposed to wear baseball caps to church. Oops, I thought. Looks like I need to start a checkbox list. No baseball caps in church. Check. We think we are building ourselves up by our rule-keeping. But we're really just making more legalists in the church. And worse, we and they are getting farther and farther from Christ, our head. But Paul wants us to see clearly that that the Christian life is not about our success or failures in our rule-keeping. The Christian life is all about relationship with Christ, or whom Paul calls here the head. Look again at verse 19. The false teachers, their problem was they were not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, listen, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with what? With the growth that is from God. Look, the beautiful growth that God works into the body of Christ comes when you and I together hold fast to Christ. Our worth Our status, our hope is in him alone. My friends, this means that that when we see ourselves starting to grab the clipboard with all those checkboxes, it means we drop it and we confess how foolish we are to ever think our worth and status can be found in the rules that we keep. Listen, the Christian life is a life of holding on to Christ, not a clipboard. We grow as Christ's body as we hold on to him and rest in him. And the Holy Spirit then operates freely within us. Listen, it's critical that you understand this. Every legalistic endeavor of the flesh leads you away from Christ. When you live the -the check-the-box life, You are saying, I've got this. Don't worry about me. Watch me do all this good Christian life. And don't worry about your church, Jesus. I'll make sure they all know what is right and good to do. Listen, when you live a religious life, you're not growing. No, you're actually avoiding Christ. Christian, the only growth that should capture our hearts is what Paul refers to in verse 20, a growth that is from God. Growth from God is not a result of our work, but listen, it is a byproduct of our holding fast to Christ, our head. Jesus' words in John chapter 15 illustrate this. Remember when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In a sense, legalism that affects us all is a saying to the vine, I've got this from here on out. Thanks, Jesus. You've, you've done a lot to accomplish my, my salvation from my sins, but now I've got things to accomplish on my own apart from you. And so we've seen that legalism confuses shadows for the substance. It advocates rules instead of relationship. 
Lastly, it promotes self-confidence over Christ dependency. Legalism fools you into thinking you are really in control and that you can handle whatever comes your way. If there were a model for legalism, it would be perhaps something like this. I've got this. That is what the Colossian church was being tempted to embrace. The intruders were, in, were equating holiness with a just-say-no attitude. Look at Colossians 2, verses 20 through 22. Paul writes, If with Christ you died to the elementary spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. To illustrate just how susceptible Christians can be to the allure of legalism, consider this historical truth. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, the temperance movement was popular and growing in America. To combat the use of alcohol, temperance activists took for their motto this phrase from our passage, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Now, do you see the irony? When we read do not handle, do not taste, do not touch in its context, Paul is saying just the opposite of what they were intending. He is saying you have died with Christ to the ways of this world. So why are you still allowing yourself to come under its regulations like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? The temperance movement, many of them in it, thought they were biblically faithful. But what they promulgated was actually anti-Christian. They imposed a lifestyle of rules and regulations designed to imprison our tendencies towards self-indulgence. In other words, all we need are some good rules to make people follow, and alcoholism will go away. You know, Christians do this to this day, rules and regulations. Some churches and denominations forbid dancing or going to movies or drinking alcohol or listening to any music other than explicitly Christian music. Paul says these prohibitions have indeed the appearance of wisdom, right? These have an appearance of wisdom, but they're not in the Bible. See, Paul says these rules are what? According to human precepts and teachings. In other words, these are not God's rules, but they sound wise and authoritative. That's why... That's why I believe that suit-wearing, gray-haired man who said, you can't wear ball caps in church. And it's why I came to believe that Christians have well-highlighted Bibles. And why I started saying, hmm, hmm, yes, Lord, a lot, when others were praying. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's wrong to say, hmm, hmm, when others are praying. Just don't do it because other Christians do it. And so you think you have to. Paul says that these human precepts and traditions have the appearance of wisdom, but they are of no value. Why? Why are they of no value? Because they promote self-confidence instead of Christ-dependency. Look again at the very last phrase of our text in verse 23. See, all the self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body that is meant to curb our sinful nature, actually fails us. How so? Verse 23. But they are of no value 
in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. There that word is again, the flesh. Legalisms, legalism, legalists downplay the power of the flesh in their lives. The legalist gets angry at his spouse, and if he doesn't blame shift or make excuses, he'll, he'll feel somewhat bad. He'll promise never to do it again. He'll, he'll put on his list, I will not get angry, I will not get angry, I'll not get angry. But listen and allow this truth to set you free and cause you to run to Christ and hold fast to Christ. Our promises to be better Christians have no power over the flesh. The law of God has no power in it. Only as we rush to Christ and rest in him will the promised Holy Spirit give us rest from our legalistic doing along with the power for holiness. But I know, I know, the legalists say, but if we don't have these rules to follow, the church will be full of, well, sex addicts and tax cheats. Well, let me remind you, those were some of the very first people Christ called to himself. Matthew was a despised tax collector who cheated people. So too Zacchaeus. And then there was that spandex-wearing prostitute with the no-regerts tattoo on her neck who crashed the dinner party at Simon the Pharisee's house. Go read that story in Luke chapter 7. She somehow mustered the courage to enter in to this judgmental Pharisee's home and caused a scene as she wept at Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her tears. Why did she do that? Well, if you read the, the passage, you'll find out it's because why? She loved Jesus. She loved Jesus. And, and, and what we see is that she realized she was forgiven much by Jesus. And so she loved Jesus for it. Jesus said to the Pharisee, her sins were forgiven her, for she loved much. Look, God, God has given us his law. But his law is meant to, to lead us to Christ and then to light our path as we walk with Christ. And so Christians are to obey God's commands. But what is our proper motivation for obedience? The, the motivation is love. Look at 1 John 5, verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If God's commands seem burdensome, then you aren't approaching them out of love for God. But when you soak in the love of God, and, and, you, and you come to love God in return, then you delight in God's commands and you joyfully live them out without a checklist or, or, or rules or regulations. And if you succeed, you praise God for his grace in Jesus. And if you fall short, and we do, you will praise God for his grace in Jesus. You know, two of my daughters were having fun and making noise in their bedrooms the other day as I was preparing this sermon. My typical response would be to go in, or more likely, yell from the other room, quiet, I'm trying to work. 
And then a minute later, they would be back to making noise as if they didn't hear me. But this time I had a new approach. I opened the door and looked at them and I asked, do you love me? I caught them off guard. Yes, they said. And with confused looks on their faces, I closed the door. They remained quiet from there on out. Do you love me? Love is our motivation for obeying Christ. Our legalistic rule-keeping is of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. But as we abide in Christ our vine, his life, his power, bears fruit in our lives. My friends, we Christians will produce wonderful good fruit. It will flow uncontrollably out of our love for Christ as we hold on to him. And so this morning we've seen that legalism confuses shadows with the substance. That legalism advocates rules instead of relationship. And that legalism promotes self-confidence over Christ's dependency. Now, will you take time today and throughout the week to simply draw near to Christ and ask him to show you not only the obvious works of the flesh, but also the less obvious, your tendency towards self-righteous rule-keeping and box-checking. May we all do this. May we all confess and repent of it. And may we all take great delight in the fact that Christ calls us to a religionless Christianity. That genuine Christianity isn't a religion of rule-keeping. It's a relationship with Christ that rests in God's grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for demonstrating your love for us in your Son, O Lord, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for drawing near to us sinners and cleansing us by your grace that we may abide in you. Holy Spirit, thank you for the ongoing work in our lives, for the power you give us to hold fast to Christ, our head, and our loving Lord. Amen.